Hey guys, it's Lindsay with NBC Media. Thanks for listening to our podcast and be sure to look at our website for events that you can get involved in. See you next Sunday. I've been saying for the last several Sundays that we're going to do a traditional Easter service. Well, we are talking about the cross today. And we are talking about Jesus dying on that cross for you and me. But we're not going to talk about the traditional three days later he came out of the grave. Because, to be honest with you, I think everybody in this room today probably knows about that. What I'm going to talk about today is one of the most, I believe, one of the most important things that happened upon the cross that Jesus died for. And it is called forgiveness. And it is also a, an example for us to model. So today's sermon is entitled, Modeling Forgiveness. And our scripture verses come from Luke 23, verses 32 through 37. I invite you to follow along as I read Luke 30, I'm sorry, Luke 23, verses 32 through 37. Two others who were criminals were led away to be put to death with him. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, they were there they crucified him. And the criminals one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself, if he is the Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming up and offering him sour wine and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you. I thank you so much for this opportunity to preach this word that you've laid upon my heart. Lord, I just pray that we learn from you as you modeled forgiveness to us. Lord, may we not hold unforgiveness in our own hearts. Bless the reading of your word, I pray. Amen. Do you think God encourages forgiveness? I think by what we just read. Matter of fact, if you look up, if you have maybe a program on your computer as I do, look up the word forgiveness. And if if you can filter that by Jesus' words, you will find that he talks about forgiveness as much as anything else that he talks about in the Bible. You know, I've only been the pastor of this church for a little over four years. I've been here for quite a long time, quite a lot longer than that is music and youth. But I've been in ministry over 30 years. And I've heard every conceivable way that people can hurt other people. I met with a husband who beat his wife. I've counseled and have had arrested a dad 
who was molesting his five-year-old daughter. I've had kids that would not see their parents for days on end and were left to fend for themselves. I've talked to wives who stole from the family account so they could build up a nest egg so when they decided to leave their husband, they'd have something to live for or live on. Spouses who cheat on each other. I've been told by a veteran about him and others in his unit doing horrible, evil acts all in the name of war well beyond the stated authorized mission. And then we hear of a 17-year-old, I'm sorry, a 19-year-old who killed 17 people in Parkland, Florida. And then he goes on to Walmart and then McDonald's in that Walmart as if nothing even happened. Sometimes we wonder, I know I do, sometimes we wonder, is there some stuff that's just plain unforgivable? Maybe you've had that thought. What they did to me is unforgivable. How do you forgive the unforgivable? Well, let's look at Jesus' example and the actual words that he used on the cross. So we're just going to start off, we're just really going to use that one particular verse and break it down and see how the Lord speaks to us through these words. So let's start first with the word Father. Father. Jesus was only able to request forgiveness because he was in a close, intimate relationship with his heavenly Father. It is, I believe, no accident that Jesus used this term. In his day, most people approached God as all-powerful, majestic, all-knowing, in charge, And yes, all of those things are true. But Jesus took it a step further. He approached God as a loving, caring, a trustworthy Father. Remember back when He taught His disciples how to pray? He started with our Father. And if you look at the Aramaic translation of that, it goes right back to what he just said in these verses. The word for father meant dad. Some of your versions that you're reading for may have even say daddy, dad, or papa. It was an affectionate word, a word of trust. When Jesus was dying, He first expressed a prayer to His Father. And what was in that prayer? He asked to forgive them. When you are and I, when you and I are faced with that 
person we are so angry with, we first need to take the situation to our Heavenly Father. I'll be honest with you folks, I've asked God more than one occasion to remove a person I was mad at from the face of the earth. To take them home to heaven. Oh, I, I'm sorry. Or wherever their final destination might be. But thankfully, God softened my attitude and those prayers over time so they could be a burden to somebody else. But we start with praying to our Heavenly Father. Now maybe you had a less than idea, ideal earthly father. But God is not like that. God is the perfect parent, always loving and affirming, even in His discipline. Your Heavenly Father will help you do what you cannot do alone. God, your Father, will help you to forgive the unforgivable. Go to Him first and ask Him for this help. Friends, I, 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 I cannot tell you how many times that I've had these attitudes, not just about unforgiveness, but about other things too. And I'd say, God, I can't do this on my own. And God, you know what He tells me in my heart? And I really believe he says it just like this. You idiot, you're not supposed to. You're not supposed to do it on your own. I didn't equip you to do all these things by yourself. I made you so you would look to me and gain strength from me. Secondly, notice what Jesus asks after Father, what does he say? Forgive them. Forgive them. Now I want you to imagine this scenario and just what needed to be forgiven the night before. Jesus was betrayed by Judas, one of his own. He was arrested and then tried illegally six times under cover of darkness in kangaroo courts. The Jews couldn't sentence him to death. And the Romans admittedly could not find any ground to crucify him. Read through all four Gospels and tell me if you see where Pilate or Herod said, yeah, he's got to die. The Romans could find no fault with him. Only the Jews were the ones that wanted to kill him, but by law they couldn't do so. <clears throat> then in the morning, the Roman soldiers whipped him to an inch of his life with pieces 
of pottery and bone woven into a whip that would cut his flesh to shreds. This week, listening to several of the, my regular radio stations, my regular Bible stations, I believe it was James McDonald who brought out that it was not uncommon that it, when they flogged a person with this cat of nine tails, as some call it, with this bone and pottery woven into it, that it was not uncommon for their insides to be exposed and sometimes even fall out. See, the Romans knew how they knew how to make pain. And Pilate thought, yeah, this will do it. This will do it. But no. And then what do they do? They force this crown of thorns upon his head. Now, friends, this is not a crown of thorns. You, you know that when I was in the Air Force, I was around this area, and it was not uncommon to see these vines with thorns 8 to 10 inches long. And they fashioned this crown of sorts with these vines and thorns and they crushed it up on his head which would be like small hypodermic needles going into your scalp. And then they made him carry the beam which was commonplace, the cross beam to, his, to Calvary. But of course, we all know through reading the scriptures that he was his body just couldn't do it any longer. So what do they do? They grab an innocent bystander, Simon, the Cyrene, to carry the cross, the rest of the beam, the rest of the way. And then in Calvary, Golgotha, the skull, whatever word the, your Bible uses, the soldiers nailed Jesus hand and foot to the cross. A person being crucified actually died very slowly. It could take hours, it could take days for a person to die on the cross. Unless the Romans broke your leg bones first so they could no longer, so that person could no longer get a breath. We find if you look at do a little study on a crucifixion. When they nailed your feet, when they nailed your hands, the only way that you could get a breath was to physically push up on those nails in your feet so you could take a breath and then you would release. And if it went too long, the Roman soldiers would break your legs so you couldn't do that anymore and finally you'd asphyxiate. The Romans through this cross, had perfected the ultimate torture machine. And they literally killed thousands of people with it. So you would think that Jesus facing all this pain and agony would cry out in despair. You would think He would be angry. But no. His first words after being nailed on the cross and dropped into the hole was a prayer of forgiveness. When Jesus could have been totally centered on Himself, He chose to be completely centered on others. 
and to ask His Father to forgive them. So who was them? Obviously the Roman soldiers who put Him to this scourging, the mockery, the torture, the cross, even as He was praying for them, they gambled for His clothing. Perhaps when He said, forgive them, He meant them. Or maybe He was talking about the Jewish religious leaders, the ones who paid Judas 30 pieces of silver to betray His Lord, His Rabbi. And who had arranged this whole deal and somehow convinced the Romans to go through with it. Perhaps it was them, the Jewish leaders, that Jesus had in mind. Or maybe it could have been Pilate or Herod. These weak Roman political leaders who found it necessary to save their own their own political skins rather than doing the right thing. Or maybe it was the crowd that did a complete about face welcoming Jesus as the Messiah only five days earlier. Maybe Jesus was asking the Father to forgive them. Or maybe... It was us sitting right here in this building today. If we believe that the cross was to purchase the forgiveness of our sins, then Jesus was asking that day to forgive us as well. You know, I think that two words, forgive them, takes in every. The sins of sins past, the sins that were going on that day, and the sins that would be committed in the future by people who weren't even on the planet yet. I like to read from the Bible Knowledge Commentary, and I just wanted to insert this in here and And it said, Luke did not state as Matthew and John how the events of Jesus' death fulfilled Old Testament scriptures. Luke's purpose instead was to show that Jesus was the forgiving Messiah even as He died. Jesus asked the Father to forgive those who were killing Him. And friends, make no mistake about it, we are just as guilty of putting him on that cross as anyone who was in attendance that day. Because it was of our sins also. So we see that there's plenty of blame to go around. And every one of these groups of people deserved to be punished. But instead they were forgiven. All all of these folks and us were responsible to some degree in Jesus' death. Forgiveness, look at this up. Forgiveness 
by definition, is something inexcusable, so how can it be granted? Well, then that brings us, from, brings us to the next statement. For they know not what they do. Did the Roman soldiers know what they were doing? Did not the religious leaders who plotted for months to bring this day about, even the crowd, the angry mob, did they not carry some responsibility for their actions? And what about us today? Are we ignorant to the extent of our sins? Let me remind you, friends, that no one is off the hook. Everyone is responsible for their sin. Yet Jesus asked forgiveness based on some level of ignorance. Again, he said, for they don't know what they're doing. Even though each group that we mentioned was partly responsible in Jesus' death, they were also ignorant of the full extent of its actions. See, Paul later writes in 1 Corinthians 2.8, says, None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. The Roman soldiers, for all they knew, they were just executing one more common criminal. The Jewish leaders thought that they had an imposter here. He couldn't be the real Messiah. Why couldn't he be? Because he wasn't kicking out the royal, the, I'm sorry, the Romans and the royal courts. He didn't come as a conquering king this time. He came as a forgiving servant. Matter of fact, he, he couldn't even save himself. I can even see, in a way, if I had been there then, not knowing what I know now, I could see the mob even being confused. Following one way one day and another way the next. And then what about us? What about you today? Are we not somewhat ignorant of the full extent of our sin? Do we trivialize sin? We say it's just a mistake or a failure. We just messed up. We don't like to think that it was our sin that put Jesus on the cross. Just as much as it was the sin of those religious authorities and the Roman soldiers. I think the sad fact is, is if we would have been in the mob that day, we would have been among those shouting, crucify him. We're no better than anyone else. When it really comes down to it, you say, well, I'd never do that. Yeah, you would. 
We would. Because we are so dictated by the shouts around us. We are caught up into it. And once we get that, once we get to the point that we recognize what Jesus did for us, then maybe we're ready to forgive. Do you know why you aren't able to forgive that person that hurt you so badly? I believe it's because you think you're better than them. You know why I think that? Because I've seen it in my own life. Oh, it took me a while, though, to get to know, get to realize that. But yeah, it all comes down. I think I'm better than them. Your pride is getting in the way. But the truth is, you're not any better than that mob, than those Jewish leaders, than those Roman soldiers. You know why? Because the, the Bible tells us in Romans 3.23, that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. See, folks, we're all a sinful mess. We are only saved by what Christ did on Calvary. We hurt each other and we hurt God. And we all need forgiveness. We need forgiveness more than we know Jesus says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He's talking about us there. And we receive that forgiveness. And we come to understand that those who hurt us are not fully aware of the hurt they caused us. They don't know what it's like to experience that hurt firsthand. They are not in our hearts. In some way, they do not understand what they're doing. They need forgiveness more than they know. You know, I, I think that this is also a good time to just say, Jesus saying, Father, forgive them, was not only for those external hurts that people have caused us, but he's also offering a plan of salvation. I don't know everyone in this room. I know a lot of you, and I've known some some of you. I've baptized and and was here when you accepted the Lord as Lord as your personal Savior. But many of you, I don't. The Lord offered forgiveness to us while He was dying on the cross to become a Christian for eternal salvation. If you would just come and admit your failure. And accept Him as your personal Savior. Ask Him, Lord, forgive me for all the things that I've done. And I commit to turn away from those bad things. I want you to be my Lord and Savior. And you know what? You say that to Him. You pray that prayer. He will. He will forgive you. Have you ever done that? Have you ever asked the Lord to forgive you? I'm not saying, have you been to church all your life? I'm not saying, was your granddad, your dad, great, great, 
for as far back as you know, was preachers. I'm not asking you, did you put money in the offering plate? Did you say a prayer before a meal? I'm not asking that. I'm asking, have you ever asked the Lord to forgive you of your sins? Because ultimately, friends, that's why he went to the cross. To provide forgiveness for you. Now, through that example, we can forgive others. Now, I'm going to tell you this. I can't control what others do with that forgiveness. I know folks that have tried and tried to ask for forgiveness, and it just wasn't granted. I know family members that just can't get over something. I've lived with family members that just can't get over things. Now, one of the things that did definitely help was by going to the Lord first. Father, help me because I don't know what to do. But then beyond that, it's in the other person's court. Last week, we took and partake of the Lord's Supper. And one of the parts of that is that we examine ourselves. And if we hold any malice towards anyone else, we need to get rid of that. Friends, to move forward as a Christian, to grow in the faith of God, we cannot hold malice towards someone else. We can't. Forgive them. Pray about it. Now going back to the they don't know what they do part of it, we don't excuse what they did as right. It was wrong. But with the Father's help, we choose to forgive. Just as the Father chose to forgive us. So I just close with this simple last statement, really. We cannot do this alone. Our pride is too great. When we face that inevitable challenge to forgive, we must turn to Christ, our example. The great forgiver. We are all in need of His grace. And Christ can be able, Christ can help us to be able to forgive and move forward with our lives. So there's the challenge too for, for today. Number one, do you have forgiveness that needs to be spoken to someone else? Do you Have you gone to the Lord to ask you to help you? That's the example. Let's go, Lord, in prayer as we prepare for our invitation time. Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you. I thank you so much for this time. Together, Lord, impress upon us the example that you set by your forgiveness while you were on the cross. Guide us and direct us during this time of invitation. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Stand with me as we sing together.